Good morning. It is good to see you. Thanks for being here. We're super grateful that you are here. If you're online, we're glad that you're here as well. I always envision you kind of being in your chones in the bed with a cinnamon roll and a coffee, loving church with us. So if that's what you're doing, good on you. That's awesome. Really glad that you are in the room with us. And, and uh, we are uh, Summit Church. And if you're new here, we are a community of faith fully committed to following Jesus, to letting him shape us into his image, to be in a community that brings the love of Jesus and the presence of Jesus everywhere we go. Our goal is to join him so we can reach the heart of every person, raise them up in communities of faith, and then release them to join the mission of Jesus where they live, work, study, and play. So that's who we are. We have people in our community of faith on every part of the journey of faith. So we're glad you're here. If you're just checking out the claims of Christ or if you're a committed follower of Jesus or somewhere in between, Thanks for being here. Really, really glad that you're here. We're in this uh, season where we believe God has called us to focus on these two words, resilience and fidelity. That is that we would be people of resilience, able to endure, prevail, overcome. We live in a world where anxiety is at all-time highs, mental health is at all-time challenges, and the statistics both inside and outside the church are pretty well negligible. They're the same. So what we believe God is asking us to do is to grow our endurance, to grow our ability to prevail and to be resilient and faithful. So those words are connected, resilience and fidelity, faithful to God, faithful to his word. And so that's kind of the journey we're on. And we're in this series called Fully Faithful, where we're learning how to take our belief in Jesus to every part of who we are, because an integrated faith is the only faith that will help us to prevail. If faith is just a piece of your life, if it's just a, a box in your life, if it's just a Sunday morning thing or a, you know, a compartmentalized thing, it'll never have the power for you to experience the fullness of what God wants to do and be inside of you. It needs to be integrated into every part of who you are. So that's the journey that we're on right now. We're using two passages of Scripture. And so if you have a Bible, I want you to turn there. We're going to be in John 6, verse 29. You don't need to turn there. It's one verse. I'll show it to you. And I'm going to ask you to memorize it before this series is over. The other one is... Uh, Proverbs chapter 16. So turn to Proverbs 16 on your phone or in your your Bible or whatever, and um, we're going to read that in just a moment. Today we're going to talk about this, uh, uh, how to become integrated in our faith. What we're going to find in Proverbs chapter 16 are seven spiritual disciplines that help us on this journey. And so we're going to start the first one today in verse 1 of that. So Proverbs 16, 1 to 7, but first I'm going to read you John 6, 29. It's our practice here, if you're willing and able, to stand for the reading of God's Word. And so here we go, John 6, 29. I've abbreviated this uh, for you. The verse says, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And then Proverbs chapter 16, the first seven verses go like this. To humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. 
When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to be at peace with them. That's the word of God. Thanks so much. You can be seated. So uh, these two things, John 6.29, first let's talk about that verse. John 6.29, they had asked Jesus right there, uh, what do I need to do? What works do I need to do to, do to do the works of God? Basically, the same question all human beings have. What does God require of me? Like, what does God want from me? And Jesus answered it very simply. And this is the part I want you to memorize. Uh, to do the works of God is to believe in the one he has sent. To do the works of God is to believe in the one he has sent. Um, so this is the key verse to everything we're talking about in this series which is this, what does it mean to really believe? Vast majority of Americans, I think it's still around 86%, even in the cultural environment that we're in, 86% of Americans believe in a God. Uh, but to call that belief, does it shape the way they live? Does it shape the way we think? Does it shape how we make decisions? So belief is more than mental assent. The Bible says that the devil believes and even shudders at the name of Jesus, but he's not living in alignment with that belief. And so uh, what does it mean to really believe? This is going to be the journey that we're on. So our big idea for this whole series, and I've got to tell you, even at my age, I can keep learning. So you should keep learning too. Some of you are in the neighborhood of my generation. Uh, Jordan, our next gen pastor, calls it his little ditty. I call it the big idea. Uh, I watched Jordan teach here a few weeks ago. And um, it, he calls it his little ditty, and I, and I realized he's onto something. Don't tell him I said this because I don't want him to get the, the swole head. Uh, but if, a, if, it's, if it's a big idea that's a little ditty, you won't forget it, okay? So here's the, here's the big idea for this entire eight weeks of conversations. To please him, you must believe him, right? To please him, you got to believe him. So this is what Jesus is saying. If you want to satisfy God, if you want to do the works of God, it's very simple. Believe in the one he sent. So this is what we're talking about. What is belief? And the, here's a fact about you that you may not realize. The most important defining thing about you are the things that you deeply believe. They actually do determine everything about you. You are wired by God. This is a fact. You will operate in alignment with your deeply held beliefs. For example, if you believe that the world is an unsafe place and you believe that people are dangerous and you believe that people cannot be trusted, you will, in fact, negotiate all of your relationships from that, from that standpoint and it'll affect everything you do in relation with other human beings because you have a deeply held belief this person cannot be trusted. The same is true about what you think about God, what you think about yourself. These are the three most important thoughts about you. What do you believe about God? What do you deeply believe about God? What do you deeply believe about you? And what do you deeply believe about how God interacts with you and this world? What is he up to? Those three deeply held beliefs, even if people say, I don't have any religious thoughts, I don't think about those three deeply held beliefs, truly determine everything about you. Let me show you a diagram. It's called root to fruit. If you look at this, there's two trees. There's a tree that has the fruit of that tree is anxiety, fear, worry. Those fruit come from a root because what will happen is the tree, the tree is always true to its nature. So the root of that tree is uh, certain beliefs that, that feed that fruit, beliefs about who God is, beliefs about who I am, 
beliefs about how the world works and what's going on in the world. These produce fruit. So if you have beliefs in, deeply in your heart that don't trust God, don't trust yourself, or you have an inflated sense of self, or you're the most important person in the world, whatever, and your beliefs about the world, these are, these are lies that you embrace, and they produce fruit. Predominantly, uh, depression, this is kind of a general rule, depression is deeply held beliefs about your past, while anxiety comes from deeply held beliefs about your future. And so these deeply held beliefs, man, they produce fruit in your life. And so what you have to do is you have to repent from certain belief systems. This is what it's like to walk with God, is you repent from certain belief systems and you allow God to replant deeply held beliefs in your heart. That's why the power of the scriptures is so powerful because these truths that help us to redesign the tree, this is what God uses, is his spirit in us and his truth in us so that we redesign the root system and now we believe different things about God, different things about self, and different things about the world. This has now become a confession of faith. And these confessions of faith produce the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Love and joy and peace and gentleness, kindness, self-control. So here's another way to word this. It's kind of a discouraging statement. Your life is perfectly designed to give you the results you're currently getting. So what that means is you can't look at life and blame life. You can't look at others and blame them. You can't look at God and blame him. What's going on in you? What do you deeply believe? Where is God in all that? And as you let God change what you deeply believe, the fruit becomes different in your life. So what we want to do in this series, and this is why John 6.29 is the theme verse, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. That, mean, that is to believe him, to believe in him, to believe what he says about the truth. People say, well, Jesus is a great teacher, but I can't really give my life to him. He's not God. He's just a wonderful ancient wisdom. Well, that's great, but the problem with that is it's not true because he claimed to be God. So he's either like God who he said he was, or he's a madman with an identity crisis. But he is who he said he is. And so uh, man, this whole conversation, these next really eight spiritual disciplines, seven out of Proverbs four, uh, 14 or 16, and then one I'm going to add at the end. Uh, these disciplines are spiritual disciplines that help us actually become who he says he wants us to be, to actually deeply believe God. That's, gonna, that's a game changer. So back to Proverbs 16. Verse 1 is our spiritual discipline for today. And verse 1 of Proverbs 16 says, To humans belong the plans of the heart, but uh, from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. So here's what we're going to talk about today. Here's what he says, that to humans, to us, belong, it's ours, the plans of the heart. This is your domain. The plans of your heart is your domain. This is where you get to play. This is where you have sovereignty. This is where you exercise independence. This is where you have agency. And this is one of the reasons why one of the great principles of the scriptures is if you want to if you want to make anything better in your life, draw a circle around yourself, fix everything in that circle because you see the problem every day you look in the mirror, right? So this is your domain. God has entrusted you, given you the capacity to to uh, 
plan the plans of your heart. Now, here's what's interesting. The word uh, heart is this, uh, this concept of your inner being. Like this is your mind, your will, your emotions, uh, everything that's going on in here. In the Old Testament, they called it your bowels. Isn't that interesting? Like uh, it's, we say, I love you with all of my heart. God, I love you with all of my heart. In the old ancient world, they would say, I love you with all of my bowels because it's like the guts of who I am. Like from the gut, I love you. I don't know what Valentine cards would look like in those days. Uh, you know, I'm just dying to say to my wife, man, baby, I love you from the bowels. Like you have given movement to my bowels since the day I known you. So, but the point is that from the inner being, like the deepest sense of who you are, this is your domain. And this gets manipulated by people. This gets affected by things that happen to you. This gets uh, manipulated by evil. You, this gets tempted. This is tainted by your sin, but it's your domain. You have responsibility for it. This is why at the end of your life, you will stand alone before God. Not the people that hurt you, not the things you accomplished. It'll be you and God. Why? Because I'm accountable for the plans of my heart. So my heart, Mind, will, emotions. This is your intellect. This is your imagination. This is your emotions. This is everything that you decide and plan from the inside. Now, the word plan means to properly arrange. So uh, what God is saying here is that uh, to man, to humans, belongs the arrangement of your inner self. So a lot of times we look at God and we say, just fix me, God. Just fix me. God, if you would just fix me. If you've ever been trapped in an addiction, you've cried out to God, please fix me. But God knows that if he fixes you like that, you won't understand what got you there in the first place. And you'll go redig the ditch that you just crawled out of because your thinking, yourself, your inner self is wrong. So this is why God wants to do a deep work in who you are. Because it's your domain here. To humans belong the arrangement of the inner self. Okay, so this is really important. This is your job. But to God, from the Lord come the proper answer of the tongue. So there is a proper answer to every question. That comes from God, but you have domain to arrange your heart. So here's our challenge of spiritual formation. How do I let God change what's in me so that it matches the proper answer from the mouth of God, right? So uh, this is the journey we're on. We, Jesus saves us from our sin. He takes away our condemnation. He nails it to the cross. He says, you're forgiven. You're forgiven forever. You don't have to worry about that anymore. Stop wondering if you're gonna go to heaven when you die. I've redeemed you. I've offered you forgiveness. Trust in me, believe in me. Now let's get on with the work of going deep in here and bringing that belief of Jesus into every part of who you are and let me transform you from the inside out. This isn't about making eternity your home. This is about getting on with the work of becoming more like Jesus and becoming more whole and healthy. I hope I'm making sense to you. So uh, our big idea today then is to have the spiritual discipline of alignment. And uh, again, I wanna give you a little ditty uh, for the big idea, thank Jordan. If you get tired of this, if you think I'm treating you like a child, uh, can just tell Jordan about it. To do your part, you got to manage your heart. Here's the thing about a spiritual discipline. A spiritual discipline is a partnership with God. 
So God does his part, you do your part. And this is work. A lot of us don't want it to be work. I just want to, I just want to wake up a new person. I just want to walk, wake up different. And the Bible says, behold, all things become new. The old has passed away. But that newness is this new heart. We'll talk about that in just a second, this new heart that God gives us. And now that you have this new heart from God, the presence of Christ in you, let's get on with these spiritual disciplines where the Spirit of God does His part and you do your part so that change happens at the deepest level of who you are. This is beautiful. It's painstakingly slow sometimes, but it's beautiful. And this, frankly, there's a phrase because I'm from Texas, this separates the men from the boys. Okay? Uh, So this is what separates prevailing, resilient, faithful Christians from Christians who are getting the snot beat out of them by life over and over and over again. This is what this is the true work of following Jesus. So uh, this is where we're going to go. Now, there's two passages of Scripture that kind of reinforce what I'm telling you here about uh, your domain is the arrangement of your heart, and God's domain is to give you the truth so you can align your heart with the truth. Uh, the first one is Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Great passage. Lots of people know this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge God, and He will direct your path. This is uh, this partnership, this is spiritual discipline. Your job, trust in the Lord with everything in you. Don't lean on your own understanding because all the time in your life, you're going to have an enemy betray you and you're going to think, I know what I should do. You're going to have something go on in your life. You're going to think, I can solve this problem. Here's what I think I should do. And you're going to lean into your own understanding. But here's the problem. You got three pounds of brain with limited capacity. God has limitless wisdom and power. Trust him, not you. Okay, so trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, in the way you actually move forward, trust in him. And what will he do? He'll direct your path. You're going to be okay. Another one is Philippians chapter 2. I have a lot of scriptures marked in my Bible today, so i got to find my way to this one. Oh, I think I used this. I did. Philippians 2, and this is verse 12 and forward. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, Not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Here's your job. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, this is your job. Work it out. Work out your salvation. Move it forward. For it is God who works in you to both will and to act in order to fulfill his purpose. So God's at work in you. He's working in you to want the right thing. He's working in you to do the right thing. He's working in you to help you. But you have to work out your salvation. So uh, we are animals, but we are different than all the other animals God made. And the difference, one of the primary differences, I don't know if you know this, but like the DNA gap between you and a chimpanzee is only like 2%. How's that for a self-esteem boost? Like a chimpanzee is 98% you, uh, you're just 2% better. But that gap, that 2% is huge. And part of it is that you have a gap between stimulus and response. So animals, when they feel a stimulus, they respond. Humans, God has given us the capacity to put a pause between stimulus and response. And we work out our salvation right there. This is where we manage the arrangement of our heart so that we can respond in obedience to God. 
So one of the secrets of living your life with God every day is learning to manage that gap, to recognize it, to pause in there, to ask the Lord, process what is God doing, what is the truth of God, and then applying that. In Acts 13, it talks about King David. David was the poster child of the Old Testament for this kind of obedience, he and Abraham. God said about David, I have found a man after my own heart. He will do everything I ask him to do. And if you read the life of David prior to his disaster because of his sex drive, he does everything God wants him to do. His trust is all in. He blindly trusts and follows God. And God loves that. He loves that. And so the other one is Abraham. It says that Abraham, who's the father of our faith, the Jewish faith, the Muslim faith, Abraham, all three of those belief systems trace their roots to Father Abraham, who the Bible says he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. The pinnacle of that belief is that he goes to a mountain with his son and is prepared to offer his own son to God because he believes God will raise him from the dead and he believes everything God has ever told him. Man, now that's cooking with gas right there. Boy, if you can get to the place where you really deeply believe God. So uh, we need to practice spiritual discipline. How do we get from where we are to there? That's where we want to be. How do we get there? We practice some spiritual disciplines. And we're going to get seven of these out of Proverbs 16. And the first one is this discipline of alignment. Okay? The discipline of alignment is the discipline of aligning your mind, will, emotions with the true answer from God. This is going to be the discipline that we practice. And so how do we do that? I want to give you three daily practices that will help you to start to do that, okay? And these are, uh, these are habits, these are practices, these are awarenesses, these are engagements, disciplines. And I say daily, but they're often moment by moment. So here's the first one. First of all, embrace the challenge. You want the wrong stuff. You think wrong, you desire wrong, you just are wrong. Like you gotta embrace this challenge. In Jeremiah 17, nine, it says that the heart of man is deceitful above all things and deeply sick. Who can know it? So here's the truth. Since the fall in the Garden of Eden, we have hearts that are deceitful and that are, in just, they're just sick, they're broken. And you don't even understand your own heart. Like when you ask a 10-year-old boy, why did you do that? And he says, I don't know. He's telling the truth. He doesn't know. <laughs> uh, man, your heart is deceitful and it's sick. This is the state of humanity. And you got to embrace the challenge that I'm, I want to follow God. I want to become like Jesus. I want God to change me. But I have a very fundamental flaw. That is that my heart is deceitful and sick. Now, uh, this shows up all the time. Human beings are never more creative than when they're trying to rationalize their own behavior or justify something they want. This is what we're in. We are impulsively phenomenal at that. And we're wrong almost every time. Here's a radical uh, aha moment I had in the last year. Every natural idea you have about how, what you should do to connect to God is inherently wrong. That's where all the religions of the world come from. What should I do to inherently connect with God? Your answer is going to be 
uh, be a good person, do the right thing, be perfect, have my good deeds that way, my bad deeds. Every religion will teach you this. Uh, be a good person, like do it right. Well, if you could do that, you don't need God, and you can't do that. And so Christianity stands alone with a different answer. All the religions of the world say, do, 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 do the right thing, think the right thing, choose the right thing. Christianity says, done for you. Jesus did it all for you, and now he has poured his generosity and forgiveness into your life, and now you have an invitation from God to follow him by the power of his spirit that lives in you so that you can now learn all over again how to proceed. So you have to embrace this challenge. Your heart is deceptive. It's going to lie to you. It's going to justify itself. So this inner working to humans belong the arrangement of the heart. It's my job to govern my heart. Now, God helps us uh, because he gives us a new heart. So uh, the first thing we learn is that I've got to embrace the challenge. The second thing we learn is I need to uh, practice the presence of God because God has done a thing for me. He has done a thing for me by giving me a new heart. You can go all the way to the Old Testament to see this. This is Ezekiel. Let's see if I left a marker for that. I think I did. Uh, no, I didn't. So you're gonna have to trust me. Ezekiel, uh, where God says, man, I was sure I put a, part, a marker there. Uh, where God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you and you'll be my people and I'll be your God. This is the promise all the way back to a prophet Ezekiel thousands of years ago. God says, this whole thing, manage yourself isn't working. Do the right thing isn't working. I gave you the law. I gave you all this, uh, your way to be who I want you to be, to be people of God. This, all you got to do is follow this list. Like even just 10, you think if I give you a to-do list of 10 things, surely you can do 10. Turns out we can't do one. And so because of that, God says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. There's going to come a day when I provide a savior for you. And here's what he's going to do. He's going to give you a new heart. And he's going to put a new spirit within you. And then I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. And we're going to do this thing together. And so we have to practice the presence of God. Why? Because he's in here. Man, he has given me a new heart. The problem is the old heart lives there too. And now I have to manage my heart by the power of the new heart and the spirit of God that he's put inside of me. Now I'm not alone. Now it's not willpower, it's Jesus' power. I need to make room for that and allow him to help me. I hope this is making sense to you because this is really following Jesus 101. You've put a new heart in me. Now I need to let that heart take center stage. I need to mind the gap between stimulus and response, and I need to let the heart of God and the Spirit of God inform how I govern my inner man. This challenge comes to you all the time. Somebody cuts you off on the freeway. Somebody insults you. Somebody hurts you. Somebody betrays you. You get an, a sudden burst of abundance. You get a sudden burst of poverty. You get challenges all the time. And following Jesus is pausing. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? God, what do you say? What do I do here? I've just been betrayed. What does he say? Pray for those who persecute you. This is a different idea than you'll ever have on your own. And so you just learn to walk with this new heart, with the Spirit of God in you, and practice the presence of God. 
I like to call this altar and stewardship, that this is the rhythm of a Christian, is altar and stewardship. Time alone at the altar with God, where I am communing with God, where I am being commissioned by God, by I'm being purified by God, I'm being corrected by God, and then I live my life as a stewardship of that reality that I'm learning from God. That's life, altar and stewardship. And so if you're a Christian, you don't do any altar time. You're not, you're not alone with God. You're not reflecting with God. You're not being with God. You're not communing with God. You're not considering God's word. You're not being commissioned by God. Then, man, your stewardship is just you're, you're, back, to the, you're back to square one, trying harder, doing the best you can, and we all know where that goes. So, number one, embrace this challenge. Number two, practice the presence of God. There have been two tools that have helped me in the last few years to practice God's presence better. Um, if you're interested in these, I'll try to put them on our social media so you can find them there. But they're called the prayer of examine. Uh, a very, it's a 10-minute practice at the end of your day. The second is Lectio Divina. It's, it's divine reading. And it's a way to engage the scriptures where you hear the voice of God with the scriptures. Both of those practices have been very helpful to me in this regard. But this is the call. Keep practicing the presence of God. In 2020, when COVID hit, the whole world lost its mind. And I was living in a state where we lost our minds maybe more than anybody else. And the churches are shut down, and I'm a pastor, and, and it's also a political crisis. So people are screaming at me that I should defy the governor. Don't, you know, don't kiss the ring of the governor. You, you keep following Jesus. We can gather. And other people were saying, hey, this virus is really real. And there were political. It was, if you were the leader of anything in 2020, it was the hardest year. And for the first time in my life, I had anxiety attacks. I didn't know what they were. And uh, I thought I was having uh, a heart AFib because I'd had that in my past. I'd had uh, a procedure that fixed it. I was cured, but it came back. And so uh, it was happening for a few minutes every once in a while. Then one day it's like five hours of my heart just feeling like it's doing that inside my chest. So I go to the, I go to the uh, urgent care. And, you know, I don't like going to doctors because as soon as I show up, all my symptoms stop. And he goes, you're just a wuss, man. Get out there and live. You know, I just feel like a pansy. So uh, I'm praying to God the whole time I go to urgent care. Don't let this stop. I want them to see what's going on. So they hook me all up to the machines. And sure enough, my heart's still doing that. And I'm going, good, they're going to see it. And they come back and they said, uh, nothing's going on with your heart. You're having an anxiety attack. And so uh, I didn't know what those were like. I started a practice of practicing the presence of God that, that helped me immediately every time it would start. Here's what I would do. I would just say, Lord, you're here. And you've been here the whole time, but now I'm here with you. Let's be here together. And man, my heart would immediately settle. And that doesn't, you know, it's not a, it's not a magic key. This was just helping me to practice the presence of God in the middle of what really was artificial anxiety because I believe in the deepest part of my being that God has everything under control. So I had to align my heart. I had to, to me belongs the uh, arranging of my heart. So I had to get my heart to align with my deeply held belief that God is sufficient for every challenge I face. He's gonna get me through this. He's here, he's with me. And as soon as I would acknowledge the presence of God, my heart would calm down. So practice the presence of God. Okay, third thing, I'm, I'm running over time. My goal is to talk to you for 37 minutes. And we try to accomplish a lot in 37 minutes. Okay, the last thing is to uh, monitor your progress. 
Now, I'm going to give you one simple way to monitor your progress, okay? So first, embrace the challenge of the heart. Second, uh, practice the presence of God to help you keep working your heart and aligning your heart. And third, monitor your progress. How's it going? And it's interesting. He says, but from the Lord come the answers of the what? The tongue. And that pointed me to our tongues. And that points us to some scripture that's pretty significant. Uh, this is Luke chapter 6, verse 45. A good man brings things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings up evil things, uh, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. This is another thing Jesus told the Pharisees because they were obsessed with you behaving religious while they had a, a corrupt heart. And Jesus said, hey, it's not the outside of the cup that's the problem. It's the inside of the cup. And so Jesus said, you don't need to worry about what goes in your mouth. You need to worry about what comes out of it. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So how do I monitor my progress? Because to me, okay, in my life, to me belong the arrangement, the governance of my inner man. How do I monitor my success? Watch what's coming out of my mouth. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So here's what's not true. If you deeply believe that God is in control, but you keep confessing that the world is off axis and you don't know what to do, and this whole thing's gonna blow up in our face, you are confessing with your mouth what you really believe in your heart. So how do we monitor this spiritual discipline that we're involved in of aligning our hearts with God? Notice what's coming out of your mouth. Now, James has some really scary things to say about this because he says, if you can control your tongue, you are perfect in every way. That's how hard this is. So are you going to be 100% successful? You're not. Let's just tell the truth, shame the devil. Let's embrace the challenge. But you can notice what's going on in your heart by what's coming out of your mouth. When you curse your enemies, you are doing something God has asked you not to do. When you refuse to pray for those who hurt you, you are doing something, refusing to do something God is asking you to do. What do you believe? What do you believe? What do you believe about God? What do you believe about you? What do you believe about what God is up to in this whole crazy world? If you deeply believe the truth he will help you anchor by the power of his spirit in you, by the work he's given in this new heart in you, and you will be able to live out, even with your words, what you deeply believe. So watch your mouth, okay? So there's your, there's your thing. I'm going to read you one passage that is kind of a summary of this whole thing. That's where my marker is. This is Proverbs chapter 4. I think this passage summarizes everything I've been talking to you about for the last few minutes. My son, pay attention to what I say and turn your ear to my words. This is God saying, listen to me. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from right there. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet. Be steadfast in all your ways, 
Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet from evil. This is how we follow Jesus right there. Every moment, every day. So here's your response. First of all, man, I want you to monitor your heart. I want you to, I want you to, I want you to focus on your heart. And give your heart to God and, and believe that his, he's given you a new heart. That he's in there. Okay, that's the first thing. And secondly, I want you to practice the presence of God. Man, if you can learn to just recognize that he is never far from you. He's right there. The Bible says he goes in front of us, behind us, beside us. He's there. So practice his presence. Okay? And response number three, every Sunday, always at Summit Church, is bless your oikos. Your oikos is a Greek term in the New Testament for your extended household. These are the people that God has put around you in your, where you live, work, study, and play. These are people, neighbors, coworkers. These are not necessarily people you like. They are people God has put right in front of you. They have a front row seat to your life. They are the people that God is asking you to reach, raise, and release, to, for you to reach their heart, for you to help raise them into communities of faith, and for you to help them find the mission God has for their life because God put them in your life so that you could be a part of that story. We ask you to bless them. It's an acronym. Believe for them in prayer. Listen to them. Eat with them. Serve them. And share your story with them when it's appropriate. We're going to get in this habit because, listen, the key to what God wants to do in this region is all of us. Living our lives with transformed hearts, with the people God brings right into our traffic pattern. I would say it this way, that there are 8 to 15 people whom God is strategically and supernaturally bringing right in front of you so that you can bring Jesus to them. It's not rocket science. You love them, believe for them in prayer, listen to them, eat with them, serve them. And whenever the time is right, share part of your story with them. And God's going to do miracles through you as you're faithful to that. I just backed up a dump truck and went, boom. So there's a whole lot there. Uh, we're going to, that root to fruit thing, I saw some of you take pictures of it. We're going to drop that in our social media this week. You'll see that. You can uh, download that picture or whatever. It might help you. I find that really powerful as a reflection tool. And then uh, I'll try to drop in the Lectio Divina and the prayer of examine for those of you who might want to try that. All right, I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to move into a response time. And here's what happens in our response time. Uh, we want you to focus your heart on being with God in these response moments. And you can do that in lots of ways. We have opportunities to help you with that. On either side of the room are prayer stations and there'll be a person there who's trained and ready and eager to pray for you. You can walk over there. They'll pray with you uh, and support you in that way. There is communion also on either side of the room. So you can walk over, take communion at your own pace, spend some time with the Lord. Thank Jesus for the blood and body of Christ that redeems you. There's a cross right over here and there's some nails and pieces of paper. You can write out a confession or a prayer. You can write out a need in your life and nail it to that cross. That gets added to our staff prayer, staff and elder uh, prayer thing. We'll pray for you. Or you can sit right there and reflect and enjoy the presence of God. But take a few moments while the band leads us in two songs to really let the Holy Spirit finish what he's saying to you in this moment. Okay? Let me pray for you. God, I'm so grateful. Man, am I ever grateful for Jesus. Where would I be without you? I know I'd be a ball of anxiety. I'd be lost. I'd be, I'd be trapped in the depravity of my own heart that is deceitful and sick. But you, King Jesus, have come 
God, you incarnated yourself to redeem us from all of it. You hung on a cross, nailed our condemnation to the tree. You shed your blood for the forgiveness of all of our sin. And now you poured out your Holy Spirit with us to live in us, to give us a new heart where you are our God and we are your people. Help us to deeply believe this and to lean in to the presence and power of God. We love you. Would you help us? Lord, would you help us to know you, to receive you, to be with you, to follow you, and to practice your presence in our lives. And may you use us however you want to, to change this world for Jesus. We love you. We ask these things in the powerful name of Christ. Amen and amen.